Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Dave Barfield, and this is the Christ Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. We hope our show will encourage, challenge, and uplift you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In today's episode, we dig a little deeper into the sermon from Sunday and discuss the spiritual gifts, whether some of them have ceased and just what on earth they have to do with building God's kingdom. It's a solo flight today with me as your host, so let's get to it. That's right, everyone. It is the Christ Community Podcast, and I am helming the Starship Enterprise today on my own. Our pastor, Josiah, is furiously and actively working on a new sermon series uh, starting this Sunday. Uh, We're excited about this. He's going to be preaching through the book of Daniel, which I think is public knowledge. I think that he said that he's going to do that. I don't know if he meant that as a surprise for this Sunday or not. So if it is a surprise, it's just between us. Don't tell anyone I told you. Yes, so he is busy working at that, along with some other pressing projects, uh, so please be in prayer for him. He's got a lot uh, that he is working through and working on, so please pray for him. And uh, also, I preached last Sunday, so we thought, well, it might be a natural opportunity for me to tie up some loose ends from the sermon, especially the loose end of whether or not I believe the spiritual gifts um, are to be practiced today as they were practiced in the New Testament. Um, I teased you with that in the sermon, and hopefully I can get to an answer for you regarding that question. Uh, We'll get to that soon. But the first thing I want to get to is this idea that I mentioned in the sermon, that we have gifts because Jesus ascended to the throne. I didn't really get to belabor the point, even though the sub-point of the sermon um, that Jesus gave out gifts, and that the gifts make enemies into friends, were built on the first point, that Jesus ascended to become the king. Uh, so, But I wanted to belabor that point a little bit, because it's really crucial to understanding just what the gifts have to do with today. If Jesus wasn't king, or isn't king currently, then we don't get gifts. And that's found in Acts 2, in our passage, and this is what I I didn't really have the time to belabor the point because I was trying to keep the sermon a little bit more um, on the shorter side since it was a communion Sunday. But between verses 33 and verse 34 of Acts 2, there's this little causal connection that we kind of miss it because of the the content uh, of the verses. We we, we miss the forest for the trees, Um, but there's a there's a causal connection between the two things that are going on in Peter's sermon here. The first thing is that in verse 33, Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God. Okay, great. And then after that, uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Okay, so we get that. But then uh, Peter kind of does this little Old Testament allusion to what David said um, uh, in Psalm, I think 110, this psalm uh, uh, was quoted, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And it's easy to just zoom past the relationship between these ideas and look at the content um, itself. But there is a relationship between these ideas. There's this exalted at the right hand of God that Jesus has, uh, and then this pouring out of the gifts. And Peter included this word for in uh, verse 34, uh, and, and, and in Greek, it shows up a little bit clearer because 
you get the idea that this is a causal connection, that these gifts of verse 33 have been poured out because of, verse 35, making your enemies your footstool. So because Jesus has ascended to the throne, because he is the king, he has poured out these gifts, and they make enemies into friends. And that's the point that I didn't really get to go into too deeply on Sunday for the sake of time. But because Jesus has been ascended to the throne of God, he pours out gifts, and those gifts turn enemies into friends. So we got to first understand that there's a causal link between the pouring out of gifts and Jesus' ascension. Um, we wouldn't have any gifts if Jesus weren't king. That's just the bottom line, that it, what Peter is getting at. And he's getting at it because the people in Jerusalem were confused by these gifts. They were speaking in tongues. So what does all that mean? Well, it means Jesus has ascended, yet he is the king. Otherwise, you wouldn't be seeing these uh, speaking in tongues and and uh, everything else that's going on there in Acts 2. So th- that's the first point that I really wanted to, to drive home that I didn't have the time to do, that y- there has to be a causal link between uh, Jesus being ascended on high as the king and the outpouring of the Spirit. Uh, and that it, I think that shows up very clearly in the text. And it's easy to miss the forest for the trees. We, 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 we see the big ideas, but sometimes we can miss the relationship between the two. So hopefully that's helpful for you to, to understand that any giftings that you have, um, whether they be uh, generosity, hospitality, the gift of prayer, mercy, whatever, whatever, whatever gift uh, you believe you have, it's been given to you because Jesus has become the king, right? And because he's been ascended to the throne, because he has ascended to the throne, that means God is going to give him his enemies to be a footstool. And we know this side of Judgment Day, as I said in the sermon, that if you say yes to Jesus, now (laughs) you get to be his friend, and that's just an incredible reality. So let me encourage you first and foremost that um, your giftings are because Jesus is king. So there, here's that, that, there's that connection between this theological thing going on, the ascension, and, and what all that entails, and the, the connection to the practical idea that you have this gift of hospitality because Jesus is going to use it to make enemies into friends. And I hope that you see that as actually happening. Um, otherwise, I, you, will become disillusioned with doing um, spiritual ministry, doing the work of the kingdom, because it's so hard. Um, It becomes tiresome. If we don't look at it as, this is what King Jesus has given me to do in this moment, um, it it, it will become more frustrating, and we'll eventually quit or feel guilty or something. But if we can serve and practice hospitality, and do generosity with the idea that King King Jesus is using this to make some enemies into friends, (laughs) then it becomes a little more apparent, a little more worthwhile, a little more motivating as to why we should be practicing our gifts. So let that be an encouragement today. No matter what gift you have uh, or how many you have, use them to make enemies into friends, and then the enemies might be um, you, <laughs> might be a neighbor that uh, does not yet believe in Christ. It might be um, a family member that does not yet believe in Christ, or it might be uh, who knows what. Uh, I'm not going to try and apply it for you, but I, I do want to give the perspective that there's work to be done through the gifts because Jesus has ascended on high. So I, I said I wanted to belabor the point. I think I did. Uh, hopefully that it was helpful for, to add that clarification. For, um, 
uh, to the sermon, something I didn't get to uh, belabor in the sermon. All right, but now I'm going to get to the big question at hand. It's probably why most of you tuned in today, because I had the teaser in the sermon about whether or not I believe that the uh, all the spiritual gifts are for today. Um, first, let me say this. I, uh, I have friends on both sides of this debate. Now, you may not be aware, but there is a debate. <laughs> Some people believe that uh, all of the gifts are for today. They're typically called charismatics, um, and, and they, they come in different stripes and different forms. Um, and then there are the other, there's the other side of the debate, and they are called cessationists. And that means they believe that some of the gifts have ceased. So there's the idea of cessation. Uh, they've ceased. Typically, people in the Reformed world um, have taken a cessationist uh, position. Uh, that's not entirely accurate for where things are now, but typically going back in history, um, uh, as far back as the Reformation, there has been a cessationist uh, theme throughout um, Reformation or uh, Reformed thinkers. That is not the case today. There are many Reformed thinkers that are both, uh, some are some cessationists and some are continuationists. Some believe that all the gifts are are for today. So I have friends on both sides of this debate, and there are people that I respect and admire deeply um, that have been very influential in my life that are on both sides of this debate. So it's not something I take flippantly. Uh, it is a serious uh, matter because we're talking about um, God's Word and we're talking about God's work on this earth, so it is serious. Uh, but I also don't hold it so closely that I can't have friends on the other side of this debate. I do. I do have friends on the other side of this debate. Uh, so I wanted to get that out of the way. This isn't something um, that I would hold to the level of die heretic <laughs> just because someone sees something differently than I do. Um, and, of course, that's up to my friends if they would uh, uh, want to show me the same level of grace. So that being said, what is my position? Do I believe all the gifts are for today, or do I believe that some of them have ceased? Well, uh, here it is. I do believe that some of the gifts, as practiced in the New Testament, have ceased. Okay, so now some of you are probably going to label me as a cessationist. Okay, that's fine. You can label me as a cessationist. Uh, I, that's perfectly fine label. Um, but I will say, I actually hold a what I call a soft cessationist view. Uh, now, what do I mean by a soft cessationist view? Well, here's what I mean. I believe that God is God, and that He can do whatever He wants, and in whatever way He wants. And sometimes there aren't clean boxes for me to put that in. But before I go into the implications of that, I want to kind of at least tell you how I get to that position um, in the text of Scripture. If you look at the book of Acts, and we look at the beginning, we talked about Pentecost. I believe that Pentecost is a redemptive historical event, okay? So that's a big um, industry-specific term that means it happened once and it doesn't happen again. So the crucifixion was a redemptive historical event. The resurrection, redemptive historical event. Uh, and I believe Pentecost is also a redemptive historical event, which means it's not repeatable, and we're not going to see. Uh, so we're not going to see it happen again and again. Whereas um, something like um, some a salvation uh, uh, of someone or the sanctification process, those aren't redemptive historical events. Those are ongoing events that we see throughout time. 
uh, going uh, in the life of the church. So the redemptive historical event of Pentecost, I don't think, is repeated. Okay, so that's the first idea. The second idea is that this uh, redemptive historical event, so both Pentecost and the things that follow from it in the book of Acts, are accompanied by sign gifts. And a sign gift is um, something like the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy. And so I believe that as the gospel went from uh, the, the few in Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, the sign gifts accompanied the apostles and the believers when the gospel hit a new barrier. And every time the gospel went through a barrier, um, then the, the, the sign gifts accompanied it. Um, and then I think that once the end of Acts happens, we, we kind of see that the gospel uh, is starting to reach the ends of the earth. It hasn't fully reached the ends of the earth. But as far as the thesis of Acts has um, summarized in Acts 1, 8, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, we see that as a pattern uh, or as a, a formula in Acts. And I think that each time the gospel reaches one of those places— uh, the sign gifts accompanied them, and then I think that the gospel no longer needs the sign gifts to accompany them, because I believe that uh, Acts shows us that the gospel has started to reach the ends of the earth. Uh, so that's kind of how I get to the position that the sign gifts, meaning uh, tongues, prophecy, etc., aren't to be used today. And there are those that have articulated this way better than I could. Um, for example, Tom Schreiner uh, has a book called, I think, Spiritual Gifts, and uh, he articulates a cessationist position, uh, so I'd refer you to that book. I think uh, Richard Gaffin has a book, Perspectives on Pentecost, that is very helpful, um, and so I recommend that book to you as well. But then you might have the question, well, what do I mean by soft cessationist? Because the view that I just articulated uh, was the cessationist <laughs> view, not a soft cessationist. Well, what I mean by that is that there are some things that happen today that are kind of, sort of, like the sign gifts that we see in the New Testament. They're what we say is analogous to uh, the miraculous gifts of the New Testament. Now, for this position, uh, I'm going to refer you to someone that Christ Community Church knows fairly well, and that is the theologian, philosopher, author, Vern Poitras. Yes, that's right. The father of our uh, beloved and uh, fondly remembered Justin Poitras. Uh, Vern Poitras is a professor at Westminster Theological Seminary, and he has an article that kind of articulates this view, of course, way better than I could ever say it. Um, and he calls it a middle road between the cessationist and the continuationist view. And what he's arguing for is that just because things happen today that we can't explain doesn't mean we have to rule them out as works of the Spirit. And he's saying that sometimes the Spirit in today's world uses uh, intuition gifts, um, that uh, like dreams or prophecy, that are analogous to the miraculous gifts that we see in the New Testament. So that's the position that I take. I call it a, a soft cessationist view. Um, he calls it um, a middle way between the two views. Um, so I commend that article to you. You can find it at his website that he shares with John Frame. Uh, the, web, the web address is frame-poithris.org, and if you, um, I think there's a search feature, you can just search Modern Gifts, and you can read that article, and I think that it will be very helpful and uh, edifying to you uh, to read through that. 
so that's kind of my view. Um, hopefully that made sense about being a soft uh, cessationist. Um, again, I say I have friends on both sides of this debate, and um, I uh, love them dearly and hope to continue the conversation. Um, but my main point, no matter where you come out on this argument or on this debate, is that you should use your gifts. Let's say that you hold a continuationist view. Well, you better use your gift, whatever it is, just like I better use my gift as a cessationist. I might say that I have the gift of, um, let's just pick one, hospitality. Uh, if I'm not using it, that's wrong for me. And if you say that you have a, a, a modern gift like uh, prophecy, then you better be using it. Um, and I think that that teaching is clear, that um, Romans 12 says, having gr- grace that differ, uh, or g- excuse me, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Uh, so that's my uh, exhortation today, is to use whatever gifts you have. And that was the point that I was trying to get at in the sermon. Um, no matter what gifts you have, use them, please, because God is using gifts to turn enemies into friends. And it's a privilege to be a part of that process. Praise God that we get to be a part of that process. And uh, I'm so grateful that there are others around me that can uh, that have gifts that I don't have, uh, you know, that, that fill up areas that I'm weak, and so that w- together we can be a, a, an active, powerful church um, for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. In our next segment, we're going to take the time to quiet our hearts and listen to God's Word. I think we all know that there are countless loud voices that compete for our hearts, and so even though it's difficult, it's crucial to quiet our hearts and hear the Word of God. And today we're going to be reading Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 16. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Such a great passage to remind us of what we're supposed to be doing here on this earth as God's people, and that is using our gifts. And a couple things stand out to me from this passage, and I want to focus just for a few moments on them. First, did did you notice what Paul said in verse 8? And I didn't read the verse numbers, but it's back kind of in the middle. Paul said, he ascended, led a host of captives, and gave gifts. <laughs> There's that same terminology that we see back in Acts 2 in Peter's sermon, the ascension, enemies turned into captives and giftings. Jesus ascended, he made enemies into friends, and he gave out gifts. And what does Paul say? We need, we need to use them. We need to uh, make sure that all of the gifts, all of the joints are working properly so that the body grows itself up in love. And, and that's the thrust, I think, of this passage. We've got to see that the giftings are for for building up the body, and that's the second point that I wanted to to focus on. Um, the gifts are for building up the body of Christ, and that I think that happens in two ways, and it's in this text. It's also, and we can get there theologically as well. But the, the first way is building up the saints, and it says that saints for the work of the ministry. Our giftings are for building one another up. We need each other. We have to help each other. We're incomplete without each other. That's one reason I love telling new people that come to our church, we're missing something at our church, and you might be the one that God uses to fill it. And it's the same for you. You're missing something in your life, and God might have Christ community uh, meet that need in your life. So there's this mutual building up one another in the body of Christ. So that's the first way, and that's to the saints. But then the second way that I think is in this text is that the building up is for the not-yet-saints. In other words, enemies that will one day be made into friends, and I think that that's uh, earlier in the uh, verse or in the chapter when evangelists is listed. I think that that is part of what we see there is this idea that people uh, in the domain of darkness coming into the kingdom of uh, God's beloved Son. And so I think that the gifts are also for that. It's for the uh, to build the church by bringing in those that are not yet saints, but that are that are predestined to be so. Um, and so, I, th- I think that even in Ephesians, as we see in Acts two, uh, it's the same idea. King Jesus, because he is king, he he received the promise that enemies will be um, turned into friends. They will be made his footstool, and then he gave out gifts. And so, my question is. How are you using your gift? How am I using my gift? Or maybe gifts. Maybe God has, in His grace, given us uh, more than one gift. Praise God. But please, um, the world needs it. <laughs> the church needs your gifting, so don't belittle them. Even if you uh, might think that they're unimportant, don't belittle your gifts. Whatever it is, whatever they are, please use your gift for the glory of God. As we close, I want to pray for the Spirit of God to work mightily through our gifts. We believe that God does indeed work through prayer. It's one of the means that He has ordained to accomplish His will. And so I invite you all as listeners, if you're able, to pray along with me as I pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have brought us into your presence by the blood of your Son. We thank you that you have made him king and that you have given him promises, promises that will not fail, 
promises to make enemies into footstools. And even now we know that if we are your footstool, we are your friends because we are your people. We used to be your enemy, but because of Jesus, we are your people and your children. And so we are grateful for that. We celebrate this fact. We celebrate the fact that you have given us gifts by your Spirit. So, Father, we ask that you would send your Spirit in a mighty way at Christ Community Church, that we would all, with love and with unity and with passion, pursue the gifts that you've given to us, that we would use them to build one another up, that we would use them to reach people that do not yet know Jesus, do not yet um, have the Holy Spirit, do do not have those gifts yet. We pray um, that you would boldly enable us to uh, minister to one another and to minister to the world uh, that is watching, that so desperately needs the love and mercy and grace that we've experienced. So we ask that you would pour out your Spirit in fresh, full ways, and that we would, um, by your grace, uh, do what you've called us to do. Father, we pray for our pastor who is um, about to take us on a journey through the book of Daniel in a new sermon series. We pray that you will enable him to uh, exegete the word well, that you would fill him with your spirit, that we would hear exactly what you want us to hear as a church, and that we would be changed as a result of it. And we pray for the many other ministries that are going on in our church, the Bible studies, the, um, uh, the equip class that's starting soon, so many things, Lord. We pray for your blessing uh, and that you would use them in our lives to make us more like your son. We are so grateful, Father, that you have called us your own, so undeserving, and yet uh, we uh, stand in a privileged position. And so we relish that fact and ask that you just give us more and more of Jesus. And we ask all these things in his name. Amen. Thank you all for listening. If you've enjoyed this, we invite you to share it with family and friends. To learn more about our church, visit us online at ChristCommunityCarmel.org and join us again next week for the Christ Community Podcast. Until then, the peace of Christ be with you, and God bless.